All right, welcome back to episode 44 of the T-Draft the Film Buff podcast. Holding the mic this week, so I don't know how this audio is going to do without the stand. I don't know what I did with it. Um, but at the end of the day, this is kind of more of a podcast feel anyway. I'm holding the mic. I've never done that with this podcast before, so we're just going to we're going to see how it goes. But anyway, got a bunch of stuff to talk about. But really, it, there's not much news that I even really wanted to cover. Just more of random stuff. Kind of like Haim announcing their third album today. Of course, they had to tease uh, all of us fans online with a t-shirt that was titled Wimp 3 with Roman numerals 3, so I-I-I, uh, Wimp 3, and they wanted everybody to guess what the title was of their third album, and of course the winner gets prizes, shirts, whatever the case may be, plenty of really funny choices and, and predictions. I don't even know if anybody actually got it right, um, but of course it ended up t- being titled Women in Music Part 3. Um, I think the P kind of threw everybody off. They kind of just figured it was part of the phrase instead of Part 3. Anyway, um, of course they, they announced as well that The Steps will be released tomorrow as the next single. feels like it's been forever. It's been like four months since Hallelujah. And almost five months since Now I'm In It, and like, what, eight months since Summer Girl. Uh, This band is absolutely the best in the business, and I'm only saying that because I listen to basically no other band but this band. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, But it's the only band, in my mind, worth discussing on the podcast. So, uh, Women in Music Part 3, coming out April, what, 24th, something like that. Um, I'm excited for it. That's a month and a half away, if that. Um... Yeah, I will absolutely be buying that album, even though, uh, of course, I'll be downloading it on Spotify and listening to it there. But it's important to support the artist, isn't it, everybody? Uh, let's get on to the weekend of C2E2. This is my, what, one, two, I want to say this is my fifth C2E2. I'd have to go back and check. Might even be sixth. Um... I might have skipped 16. I can't remember if I went 16, but I know I went 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. Um, so it could be 6th. I don't, I honestly just, I cannot, I don't even know. But I have to go back and check. But ultimately, it was a good weekend. Um, not necessarily as eventful as something like, you know, Ace Comic Con or Heroes and Villains. I'm not going to dedicate an entire show to it like I did some of those. Um, but it was good. You know, Mark Ruffalo showed up. He had a really nice panel, play a little bit of a clip of it, uh, that he confirmed something yesterday, which we've talked about already on the podcast within the last month or so. Um, but the the great thing about it was finally, or not finally, because I've met him three or four times before that, but um, just getting to say thank you to Stephen Mel for the great eight seasons of Arrow, uh, getting that photo one more time with him. I don't know how many more times he's going to go out to conventions like that. Um, so that was that was really nice, and um, yeah, and, and and seeing that panel, which was a farewell to Arrow, basically a season eight uh, kind of recap slash uh, almost like an honor uh, honorary panel there. I mean, they were kind of just recapping everything from this, this entire series, but most specifically season eight, and um, it was just it was a great panel overall. I don't know if they're gonna post that online, but. Uh, I can't wait to go back and watch it if they do. Uh, plenty of funny moments, heartfelt moments. They could tell Emily Bat Ricards and Stephen Mel were just pretty just grateful 
for for the eight seasons and of course Emily Bat seven and a couple of episodes um, but ultimately a, a really really nice time there down at McCormick Place um, met Stephen ran into Perry Nemiroff again who I met back at Star Celebration that's the funny story that I probably won't get into on the podcast I don't know if I want that type of story recorded because it is it is a doozy it is it's I mean it's it's definitely embarrassing it's funny but it's not like terrible but it's something that I I guarantee she won't forget and I will never forget it it was just it was hilarious I could not stop laughing about that story later on but there's no need to get into it let's let's talk about Invisible Man because uh that movie I saw it on Thursday night before the convention and holy shit that movie is freaking phenomenal uh, the, the the way that Lee Winnell kind of, I, I don't want to keep repeating what everybody's saying, but the way he does direct and kind of use the empty space of the movie, um, and not just the fact that the villain is invisible, quote-unquote invisible in the movie, but just the way he uses the space at which in which the, the movie is filmed um, and, and the house and and. and I mean, it, it's really impressive. I don't know that I've seen a horror movie that well directed, perhaps since A Quiet Place and Get Out a couple years back, and maybe the first Conjuring. Like, I'm not a I'm not a huge horror guy. Like, I don't have like a oh a top fifty favorite horror films. Maybe I've only seen fifty to seventy five total horror films in my life. I don't have to check that. Um, so I'm not. I can't even consider myself a horror aficionado or anything like that. But uh, I know a, a good. I know a well-directed movie when I see one, uh, and that was 100% a very well-directed film that if it didn't have the name Invisible Man attached to it, that IP, um, I can't imagine that that it wouldn't get some sort of nominations later on in the year, whether that's you know a Golden Globe nomination, more Critics' Choice nomination, you know something like that. I don't think it would be Oscar worthy. Um, but I think it's, I kind of think it's a better film to get out. I don't know if it's better from than a quiet place, but it's certainly up there. Um, Elizabeth Moss is fantastic in the film. Aldous Hodge, an upcoming star who is also in, um, that other, the, the death row film later uh, earlier this year, clemency, or I guess it was the end of 2019 released January, 2020 wide release. Um, but no, he was great. Can't wait to see what he does in the future. Of course, Elizabeth Moss is always great. So that, that was expected. Um, but the score is fantastic. There's moments in the horror film where you're just like, oh, God, I wish they didn't do that. But it was like that good horror scare thrill that you're like, that was damn good. I, I just wish that didn't happen to certain characters. Um, of course, no spoilers there. But And and I've been thinking about it. Like, I don't know if... I, I honestly don't know the answer to the question, like, if this sets up a sequel or not. Because obviously this is an IP for Universal, for Blumhouse. Like, you got to imagine they're going to make more of these movies. And I, I don't know if... Um, uh, God, what's her name? The director of Pitch Perfect 2. Um, I don't know if she's still doing uh, The Invisible Women. She was attached to that. Um, kind of right after, uh, uh, right after Charlie's Angels came out, 
uh, God, why Elizabeth? What? What is her name? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't know if that movie's still coming out, um, but I, I feel like they, they'd be dumb not to at least explore the option of sequel here. I just don't know how you do it without any spoilers. I don't know how you do it. Um, but I'd be interested to see what people's kind of theories are on that. Um, and I honestly, I think I might see it again. I don't know. I mean, we're, we're going to see. But it's something that I would legitimately think about seeing again. And, I, and that's it's been a while since I've thought that way about a horror film. Um, but let's go ahead and pull up that C2E2 clip I mentioned of Mark Ruffalo kind of talking about Parasite, the TV series Parasite that he's been linked to, courtesy of our boy Jeff Snyder over at Collider. Um, I recorded this right as a fan asked him about Parasite. So let's see. So, so that that is interesting. I, and, you know, Ruffalo is known to be one of these guys that doesn't really hold back from revealing things that he knows or what he's working on or sort of plot details about the latest Avengers movies. So I can't even say I really wasn't I really wasn't that surprised uh, that he started talking like that. He even addressed it like when when the person asked him, you know, can you speak on uh, your involvement in Parasite? And he kind of like. He was taken aback a little bit, but he was—he was. You could tell he was excited. You could tell he loved the movie, uh, and he—he he even mentioned right after I stopped that clip, he's like, "I'd love to work with Bong Joon Ho. I'd love for him to direct a Marvel movie," which is funny because Snyder put out that list. Um, what was it last week of the movies in development that he would like Bong Joon Ho to kind of take a crack at and see if he could direct? So I thought that was kind of funny. I don't think Bong Joon Ho is gonna direct a marvel movie or a dc movie anytime soon i can't imagine he would but he's certainly in line to do whatever the heck he wants to do after parasite um so I thought that was great uh and i really I, i'm i'm hesitant about that series but as long as bong joon ho's uh kind of involved i do trust mark ruffalo's taste as well i don't really remember the last bad movie mark ruffalo's been in let's go ahead and pull up his imdb real quick I, i'm actually curious to see if there's any movie that I've actually seen him in that he didn't like. All right, here we go. So starting from the top, the most highly rated movies that he's been in that I liked. Uh, Endgame, Infinity War, of course. Spotlight is an absolute masterpiece. Thor Ragnarok is a blast. Um, Ultron is great. Collateral and early Ruffalo and, and Collateral. Um, of course, that movie's phenomenal. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, that's a classic first Avengers movie, Shutter Island, a little bit divisive, but I do love that movie, um, 13 going on 30, which I, I surprisingly loved, Foxcatcher, which is one of his best performances, Zodiac, which is like one of Fincher's best films, and that's saying a lot, Dark Waters from last year, which I thought was like surprisingly really great too, uh, he's briefly in Iron Man 3, so I don't even count that, Begin Again is an underrated film, uh, now you see me. I mean, that's just that's kind of like the fun films. It's not, you know, it's fine. Uh, the kids are all right. Uh, Captain Marvel, which I didn't like. When is he even in? Is he in the after credit scene? Captain Marvel. When is he even in Captain Marvel? Why is he credited? I don't even remember, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. And then of course, now you see me too. So like, yeah, now you see me too is not a good movie. If that is, if if that is his worst movie that I've seen him in, 
I mean, you have a damn good career. So I I really do trust Ruffalo's taste, and I trust Bong Joon-ho at this point. So I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're going to see how that one goes. Um, I, I don't really care about Uncharted, but I guess it was kind of worth bringing up. Uh, it's it's more worth bringing up because Uncharted is, I mean, how many directors has this thing lost? Like, I'm looking up here. Of course, Antonio Banderas announced he joined the cast. Um, that was today. Uh, apparently, Ruben Fleischer has signed on, and, and it feels like there's been nine to ten other directors that have actually signed on to this movie and then quit. Um, but Ruben Fleischer has signed on. Of course, he's director behind Venom, uh, Zombieland One and Two. I love Zombieland One and Two, so I I can. I could see him making a good Uncharted movie, but at the same time, that big studio element to it with Venom, like, yeah, oh God, I absolutely think Venom's dog shit. Um, but, of course, you had Bumblebee director Travis Knight, which I thought was such a perfect fit. Uh, uh, of course, Dan Trackenberg, who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, Sean Levy, uh, what Seth Gordon, Neil Berger, David Russell—the list goes on and on. Like I don't even know if Mark Wahlberg is still attached to this thing. Apparently, Tom Holland is still attached. Um, so I mean, there's a part of me that's excited, but there's also a part of me that believes in three weeks I'm going to be talking about this podcast how Ruben Fleischer dropped out. I don't know what's going on if this movie's absolutely cursed, um, but that's that. Not that it's really movie movie news, but Bob Iger did step down as the the head of Disney um, over there. I mean, the guy's a legend. He, I think, he was involved back when they acquired Pixar. Of course, he was there when they acquired Marvel and Lucasfilm, um, and um, Fox. I mean, the Indiana. I mean, Indiana Jones, of course, is, is with Lucasfilm. But like, I mean, that's incredible. It, just his career in general. Something to admire. I don't know if he's going to run for president someday, but um, it's just something worth mentioning at least because he's essentially the most powerful man in Hollywood or was um, as the head of Disney over there. Indiana Jones 5. Still haven't seen Indiana Jones 4, but Indiana Jones 5 loses Steven Spielberg. I guess he stepped away. That's obviously his call. Nobody's going to fire Steven Spielberg at this point. Um, but they hired James Mangold, which I think is brilliant. Uh, after Ford v. Ferrari, Logan, 310 to Yuma. I still haven't seen Walk the Line, but I think that was him. Um, people love his who's his first film, Heavy. Uh, so just a great hire all around. Um, I think he's I think he's really gonna he's gonna find his own uh, with the NA Jones franchise. And I would have to assume Harrison Ford kind of approved that as well because I don't think he was going to do this movie without Steven Spielberg. So we're going to see uh, how that all shapes out as of, as of now. But um, that's that. I really don't have much else to say here. There wasn't much movie news. I'm probably forgetting a bunch of other shit. But uh, ultimately, it was great weekend at C2E2. Haim is putting out a new album, guys. Listen to their music. The Invisible Man was absolutely fantastic. Everyone should see it. Um, you know what? I, I guess I did just get the, the shipment in from Criterion Collection, so might as well see. I can't even remember the three films that I bought, to be honest. So let's go ahead and pull this up here. Wow, and an, a podcast unboxing. How exciting is that? No, how fucking stupid is it, really? Um, anyway. Oh, that's right. I remember now. 
Okay, so I did buy three Blu-rays when Criterion Collection uh, had their massive sale uh, last week. It was like everything was half off. And, and, and I'm telling you, I don't know how fast those Charlie Chaplin movies go, but wow, I would have bought three or four. But they were all sold out by the time I got a hold of this sale. But I, you know, I bought The Philadelphia Story, which is one of the best like 1940s films and the only film that stars James Stewart and Cary Grant. So it's it's worth watching specifically for that, two of the greatest stars of their time. And, of course, you have Catherine Hepburn leading the way. It's a fantastic romantic drama comedy. Um, it's really just 1940s cinema at its best. Uh, I also bought the only Christopher Nolan film I didn't own, which was Following, um, I think it's the only Christopher Nolan film that's actually in Criterion. Um, it's a 70-minute black-and-white film. Basically, you watch this film and you know exactly how Nolan is the way he is. Like, You know why he makes the choices he makes as a director once you watch this film and kind of understand his, his director mind, if you will. Um, and just a really great cerebral film. And I think it actually includes his short film on here, Doodlebug. Uh, but I really bought this because I know I'm going to have to watch this before Tenet comes out. And it's actually a really damn good film, too. Uh, so that's that. All right. I think it actually has commentary as well, which is the only time no one ever really does commentary. And then I bought the only film out of the three that I have not seen, which is Anatomy of a Murder, Otto Preminger's Anatomy of a Murder, starring James Stewart, um, amongst others. Uh, I, yeah, I've legitimately not seen this film, but I've heard so many great things. It's three hours long almost. I'm really excited to, to dig deep into it. Um, it's a classic. I haven't seen it. I got to see it. You know, that's that. Anyway, that's going to pretty much do it for the TJ Off the Phone Buff podcast. This might be breaking the record for the shortest episode we've ever done. But just going to be honest, there's just not a lot to talk about at this point. Um, actually, I'm looking at the box uh, over there I got from the library, The Leftovers. It just started that series the other week. I've only watched one episode. Just like I've only seen two episodes of The Morning Show. Just like I've seen only one episode of The Little America. <sighs> yeah, there's too much shit to watch. There's too much TV to watch these days. But I guess you'd rather have more, too much than, t- than too few. Anyway, that's going to do it. Have an Invisible Man weekend. Also, go see The Way Back. I'm really hoping that movie's good. Ben Affleck deserves it. He's been through a lot. Peace. That's it.